I refuse to believe that mankind is a random byproduct of molecular circumstance. No more than the result of mere biological chance. No, there must be more. And you and I, son, we will find it. Allow me then a moment to consider. You seek your creator. I am looking at mine. I will serve you, yet you are human. You will die. I will not. Bring me his tea, David. Bring me the tea. podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast at the intersection of faith and and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, you know, he was here a minute ago, uh, clearly something distracted him. He said he needed, listen, at this point, I don't need to tell you guys, but you know how Reed is with his celebrity sightings. They are uh, uh, frequent and uh, uh, high profile. Uh, but he said he needed to go. He had seen on his way home and he needed to go check on a guy who looks remarkably like Michael Fassbender. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what that was about uh, when he returns. I, I'm a Fassbender fan. So, you know, hopefully he gets maybe a selfie. Uh, maybe, I don't know, an email address. Maybe a face hugger to the face. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you back to our year-long Umbrella series that is quickly, remarkably quickly coming to a close, that of 2020-2020, where we are examining and have been examining 20 films from the last 20 years in the year 2020. Oh, don't hit the computer, Rouse. Today, we are looking at the year 2017, but I am getting ahead of myself, because here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain. Except for right now, when I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform, Spotify, Dave Courtney, thank you very much. You can watch The Fear of God occasionally on YouTube, and you can browse The Fear of God always on the web at thefearofgodpodcast.com, where you'll find episode archives and merchandise, including cell phone cases, t-shirts, campaign buttons, I mean, you know, it's still 2020, face masks, magnets, pillows, read! Hey, buddy, you're back! Did you... So, did you meet Michael or someone who just looked like him? 
It just looked like him. Happens oh. all happens all the time. It's really hard these days when you're chasing somebody in masks. You you actually mm. you know like it's difficult because then you know the eyes are deceiving because you can only see like sure. from here yeah. from here to yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You know when everybody when everybody is shredder, then it's just yeah mm. yeah. Tonka Raza. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze <laughs> reference. Indeed, that happened. Just uh, so yeah, I, well, of all the things back, that I friend. thought you were, thank you, thank you. Of all the things I thought you were going to throw at me, I thought you were going to like, oh, he, you know, he trying to decide which accent to use or trying to find his double or something like that. But no, no, just a just a standard celebrity sighting. So that was lots of fun. That was that well, was good. I mean. It is layered into the content of the day. I wasn't just totally yeah. pulling yeah. that one out of nowhere. No, of but, course. Of you know, course. whatever. Yeah. Maybe it is. Yeah. It's, wow. Yeah. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> fun, Reed, fun episode here. Quite, <laughs> quite the critic all of a sudden, yes, everybody. All get right. to the you end of the year. And don't let Reed, Reed leave a review. Like, good Lord. No, <laughs> like, do not. <laughs> that, that, that Nathan, he makes the most <laughs> stupid non sequiturs. Um... I wish you'd shave that dumb beard. Um, (laughs) So, Riri, we've got a little bit of business time. Speaking of reviews, we would like them. Yeah. Yeah, we would. We would. We we are not afraid to ask. uh, Ask and you shall receive. And we would like to ask for some reviews. Um, Just keeping that in front of everybody uh, uh, that you can go to your podcast platform, presumably. And, you know, if you use it, iTunes. Uh, and leave us a five-star rating and or review. We would love for you to do that for us. Read. Uh, so now that we've got the review ask out of the way and the shamelessness of that, I'm in sales. I can ask for things. Um, <laughs> what? I mean, is there voting still left to do? I mentioned there, campaign buttons. Is there voting still in play? There is. Not much of it, though. So um, as of this recording. We're certifying these votes yeah it's happening yeah your 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 time is up you're not allowed to Um, refute it no not anymore so um as of this recording the only votes available to you as of this episode release the only voting available to you is 2019 and 2020 um i would make especially a case because a lot of recent films in 2020 are getting some viewership so if you have one that you really want to champion for 2020 i would strongly encourage you to go and cast the vote you just go to fearofgodpodcast.com click on the banner on the top that will take you to those surveys 2019 and 2020 is really all you have left and it will not be long before 2019 will close down so um, go there uh, pick your favorite horror films of 2019 and 2020 and we will be counting them down as we will on this episode and the next few following uh, your favorite horror films from each of those years which has been lots and lots of fun so you know i gotta imagine there's a few listeners out there hopefully just a few who just really don't love Nathan's politics, but enjoy what we do. <laughs> and because this has been the year of just 2020, they're like, man, I really like it that Nathan Reed are discussing these current, you know, kind of hits, if you will, of <laughs> right. the recent horror genre. But they're like, I really wish he would stop lacing everything with political commentary. <laughs> Sorry. Well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> lastly, it is, we are, as of this recording, Reed, I don't know if you've seen the calendar lately. December has begun, which is staggering. And astonishing. <laughs> that's a really great, that's a really great facial reaction you just made. Um, uh, I feel like we've earned it. Uh, we do it anyway, but 
particularly so this year. Maybe we've earned our January respite. Um, so just alerting mm. listeners that we are taking January off from formal standard episodes. There might be a few surprises in the mix there, but uh, our, our typical stuff will not be filling up your feeds. That said, if you want to interact, if you want to mm. uh, uh, needle, if you want to oh. encourage, mm. if you want to meet like-minded folk, Yes. Uh, uh, of the Fogger variety. Come find us on the Facebook group, the Fear of God Facebook group. It's pretty straightforward. It's James Page, shout out to you, brother. Man, He's welcome. He's going to be like, well, huh? He's a, he what, just, what happened? He, yeah. He was just driving and he just swerved, you know? He's like, whoa, my gosh. Didn't expect to hear my name there. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. James has been around for quite a while. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. No, he joined the group the other day and I was like, bro, you weren't here already? <laughs> I just well, no, I felt a because, little bad. No, because he's interacted on the page uh, so frequently. So, uh, so yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Welcome to the Facebook group. We're glad to have you. Yeah. Now you're in the real inner circle. <laughs> you're a true, true fogger now. <laughs> um, that's what we got in terms of business time, Riri. Yeah, that's you pretty know, much it. Uh, you, you're ready to move on to. Uh, do we have any guests this week? <laughs> you gotta love when the guest cues up the guest. So, yes. <laughs> as a matter of fact. This is the um, uh, uh, next uh, penultimate uh, uh, appearance of lack. No, there's four more, this, including today. Yes, Goodness this, gracious. This, this is the antipenultimate. No, no, no. Don't even bother. But it is. No. It's the antipenultimate. Regardless. <laughs> lacky the listicle, my occasionally listless list making lacky. Hi, everybody. Okay, it's starting to get old. And antip- antipenultimate is a real thing. Um, so yes, hi. Yeah, but would that would that mean four? I think, or would because penultimate is just next to last. Next to last, I think. I would presume antipenultimate is trying to just push one more out. So yeah, maybe just three. three. I don't know, but this is oh, you know man. what? Oh my lord! So oh, it's over. It's- <laughs> to the fog meter. So, um, to the- <laughs> don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Just cancel this episode. Um, okay. So, uh, no. no, we have, uh, we have your favorite horror films of 2017. Uh, this is very exciting. I, I have to admit that, like, the more we've progressed in this particular, like, the last couple, it happened, and then it happened again with this one. Um, I I fully anticipate, because now that voting is closed for 2018, it's going to be the same condition for that. Um, being a top 10, there's just, there's there's some cool flicks that don't make the list. There's some cool things that just kind of don't, don't hit the, hit the... The meter, as it were, the top ten. Yeah, the top ten. So I mean, um, you can say it. <laughs> some really strong films that didn't quite make the cut. I'll just mention in brief passing: Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, which we've covered. Okay. Tigers are not afraid, which mm-hmm. we covered. Uh, Nineteen twenty-two, which is a film that continues to grow in my esteem the more I think about it. Um, and then also some films that are really strong that we didn't cover, like uh, Annabelle Creation, which is a, another good sort of prequel that uh, is almost stronger than the original. Uh, Revenge. Uh, and a film that, Ooh, that I like that film. Yeah, yeah, and a film that uh, I liked a lot uh, with uh, Samara Weaving as a star, The Babysitter uh, on Netflix. Hmm. Uh, didn't didn't quite make the top ten. So some great. If that tells you the caliber of the things that didn't make the top well, ten. And what's fun about these is, especially these days, you know, you, you and I just life. We we come in hot to these recordings. It's like, whoa! I just hopped out of the car and mic on. You know, I don't see these lists until literally right now. Right, right, right. And right. it's pretty cool. With this recording, we will have now covered nine of the ten 
on that's the top wild. 10 2017. That's absolutely that wild. wild. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Do you want to do evens or odds this time around? Um, I'll, 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 I'll start us out. So at number 10 is a film we covered. Was this part of a series? This is part of 2017 best ofs, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We did, yeah. I think it was. We did yeah. a trio mm-hmm. that year, I think. Yes. Um, it is by, uh, uh, some creators to keep, to continue keeping an eye on Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. It is the endless, uh, which we featured on episode 146. I, I really like this flick. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really, really good. They have a new one that they're working on. And the yes. name escapes Syncratic. me. Syncratic. It's already out. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I have not seen it. Um, but no, it's a really strong film. Listen to all of our uh, thoughts on that one. You know who has seen it? New Dad Blake. Shout hey, out. Hey, shout out. Shout out. New Fox Stafford Blake Yay. Collier. He's a new dad. Yeah. Congrats to new him dad as of this week. Yes. New baby boy. Absolutely. Um, Glorious. So yes, wonderful. what's number nine, Reed? Okay, so yes. number nine is a film that you and I believe both have seen, but we haven't covered yet. Um, it Directed by David Bruckner. It's uh, uh, available on Netflix, I believe. Might even be a Netflix original based on a novel by a- Adam Neville. It's The Ritual, which I it's found. A good flick. Yeah. Solid. Very effective. Um, number eight hmm. is The One. The only, you know her, you love her, mother, mother. <laughs> Written, directed. Written. Hey, what? Back what, off. what what's it's my, it's, it's it's my, it's, my, my line item here. Written and directed by Darren Aronofsky, starring J Law and J Bard. <laughs> um, oh goodness, what a flick! We covered this on episode seventy. I don't. I I think it's safe to say I don't recommend the film, but our conversation about it was really impactful i'm still yeah i'm still quite proud of that conversation recorded uh during one of those in my visits yeah in your home when i was uh in north carolina visiting just one yep. morning i remember previous home yep. yeah I, I remember i watched it the night before and then just got up that morning drove over to your house it was a lovely lovely wonderful yeah. ex- recording time and you can kind of feel the energy in the episode too i think that i think that's yeah. part of what's sort of bolsters it is you and I had, you know, we're just sort of catching up and in the same space and everything. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun. It was it's a, a weird great feeling. Episode. What's yeah. that like? I know. What's number seven, Riri? So speaking of 2020, <laughs> so number seven written and directed by Trey Edward Schultz fog episode 69. It is, it comes at night. Uh, also a really, really strong conversation, uh, really strong film. You can listen to all of our thoughts on all of that. On I, episode I mean, how, ha- who raise your hand listener <laughs> if you have thought about this film this year i mean yes eerie resonances. it has been eerie this i really like this movie mm. it is it is one of the very few i could point to and i could count on one hand that i had no idea how to comprehend it when I watched it and sat in my car for about 30 minutes, just reading stuff after it to try to figure out what on earth did I just watch? But it, it wow. is definitely powerful. Oh yeah. Um, number six is the, uh, what's, uh, what's the, what's the character, the persona's Pe- name in this movie? Peach, Peach fuzz. fuzz. <laughs> uh, the, the second iteration of Peach Fuzz and third and fourth appearance <laughs> of Mark's, Duplass. No, uh, it is Creep 2, directed and co-written by Patrick Bryce, featured on Fear of God episode 103 as part of our number two series. That is true. That is true. And supposedly, I mean, I remember in close proximity to Creep 2, they said they were making a Creep 3. I don't know if, like, global pandemic, you know, pushed that out or whatever, but, I mean, this was three years ago. 
and and I would anticipate that they should. Come on, I mean, like Mark, Patrick, get it, get it together, y'all. Like, come on, come on, guys. Peach more, fuzz, more creeping. What? Is he demanding more money? Is Peach fuzz demanding more money? I know. Creep three is like it's going to creep by. It's going to creep up on you. Take forever nope. to do it. Nope. 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 Keep going. Nope. Number five. So number five is a film that um, I I really love. I think I this is going to be a weird thing to say, but I I love this film. Uh, perhaps more than the film objectively deserves because it just really resonated with me in ways that, uh, you know, sort of push up films in the pantheon of, of my uh, favoritism. Uh, directed by Mike Flanagan, based on the novel by Stephen King. Fog, episode 125, one of the few King Stephen King adaptations that didn't receive the quarterly King treatment because we did it as part of a Flannel Graph Flanagan part of series. 19. Yeah. Well, yeah, really? that was overarching. That year was nineteen. Oh, so that's right. That was and when we were diving in and out. And it nineteen twenty two, Gerald's game. That's right. Um, that's right. The the short stories. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's, that's a good right. series. Nope, that's good absolutely series. right. But uh, it's Gerald's game. Everybody, number five was Sorry, Gerald's I said game it before you. Oh, that's okay. No, that's all right. It's okay. Yeah. You know, you pushed at me because it was your line, <laughs> and then you You're just right. decided well, I'll show I him. I'll show did that. that. <laughs> I'll show that mofo. <laughs> like yeah. I'll just, I'll just I'll it out. love him. Uh, <laughs> number four on the list, uh, and our featured content for today is directed by Sir Ridley Scott. I believe he is a sir. Actually, is he a sir? Uh, what do we know? <laughs> I mean, I'm we're just, just reading. We're just handing here. out knighthood. <laughs> <laughs> you get a knighthood. You get a knighthood. I'd like a knighthood. Good knighthood. Alien Covenant. Alien. Co- uh-uh. Alien <laughs> Covenant. Uh, starring Billy Crudup. Michael Fassbender, mm-hmm. Catherine Waterston, mm-hmm. and some other people. Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, what's number three, Reed? Number three, directed by Christopher Landon. Uh, it is another film that I just absolutely adore. It is Happy Death Day, featured on Fog episode 86. Uh, I I just I adore this movie. That was part I, of uh, Blumhouse. Our, our, was it? Yes. Our Blumhouse yeah, run. I believe it was. I believe it I was. I think so. And it was, uh, yeah, it really, I have tremendous affection for this film. I love it. And it's sequel, as a matter of fact. I, I love them both. Number two on this list, we had a lot of fun with his other film, Mama, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> it is It. Uh, I guess subtitled chapter one, maybe directed by Andy Muschietti on our quarterly king number two. Honestly, this is one of our highest ranked highest listened yeah. episodes in our four years is it. Yeah. And, and it one. is a great film. I have very little good to say about its follow up, but this, <laughs> this installment is very strong. <laughs> I did. I did. And I chose yeah. to, yeah, mm-hmm. I had to, and I did. Yeah. What is number one? Reed? <laughs> <laughs> Don't even give me, I'm not even getting a chance to rebut. Just tell us what number, number one, one is. Number one is Get Out, <laughs> written and directed by <laughs> That's, Yes. Yes. I by see, Jordan I Peele. I see what you did there. Fear of God, yes. episode 72, which has the notorious distinction in Fear of God history of being the episode where I sound like a frog. <laughs> you said, like, like an old man frog. Lord like Mr. Mercy. Toad swallowed a bug yes on his wild ride do not adjust your audio there is nothing wrong with it <laughs> it is merely nathan trying oh, desperately man. to get over that a cold what i love so much about that is that you so were committed to opening our episode i remember i was like dude i'll open and everything he's like you're like no no i'm gonna it's me i'm gonna open yeah it was it was it was, it was great what what's wrong <laughs> Also featured uh, my good buddy Anthony Doris uh, yes. on that episode. So uh, yeah, number one, written and directed by Jordan Peele, of course. 
Get Out. It is your number one, Fog episode number 72. Hey, before you pull up. Hey. Before you pull it up. Uh-huh. You got to go to Lackey the Historialistical. Oh, and, wow. And yeah, find so it. many lists. Yeah, that's right. So just I'll, I'll just go through it very, very quickly. Okay. This was the historical top 10 of 2017 when we did this uh, in proximity, when we actually did it in 2017. So uh, uh, previously, Gerald's game didn't make the cut which I thought was interesting that it landed at number five in the updated list. That made me very happy. Uh, the Endless Creep 2 and The Ritual didn't make the cut either when we did this the first time through. But number 10 was Killing of a Sacred Deer, written and directed by... Which I've still not seen. I haven't either. Um, oh! And I liked The Lobster, but but I still haven't made it to Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos um, didn't make the cut this time around. Bless you. Number nine was Alien Covenant. And I find it interesting that Mm. last week's The Shallows was number nine and jumped Mm. to number three. This week's Alien Covenant. Something funny with Ah, these boats. It's weird through the night, you know. So anyway, directed by. (laughs) Massive dumps. (laughs) Directed by Ridley Scott, of course. We'll be talking about it momentarily. Sir Ridley Scott. Yeah. And um, number eight was Happy Death Day, which also rose tremendously in the updated list, which I I love. Number seven was a film that, like, this sucks, because I really like this film. You should see this film. People (laughs) should see this film if they don't. Written and directed by Sean Byrne, it's The Devil's Candy. Now, what's interesting Hmm. is due to that whole, like, festival release thing, uh, it was included in the nominees for 2015, but didn't make that Hmm. list and didn't obviously make 2017 because it wasn't even a nominee for that year. But landing in um, almost the same place, it actually dropped a little bit in the list, was Mother. Number six was Mother. It was dropped what? to number Mother, and it okay. dropped to number eight on the updated list. Um, number five was Annabelle Creation. It was a good. I mean, interesting. I, it, it's a good flick, but didn't even make the cut on the updated list, which I find interesting. Um, the, number four was It Comes at Night, and it dropped to number seven on the updated list. Hmm. That fascinates I, well, me. Well, we were scared. <laughs> I mean, read. It's, it's been a year. Too too soon. Everyone's like, too soon. I, I've seen it. I like now lived it. I lived that. Um, so uh, number uh, the the top three. Oh well, no, actually, number three was it. So it rose okay. to number two uh, because it no longer had competition from the historical number two in 2017, which was Split, directed by M Night Shyamalan. Now that landed in second place on the 2000. 16 list again because of the hmm. whole there's some fuzzy you know, math going on here it is it's weird it's weird but um number one then number one now was get out uh then and now it's great flex it, it deserves a great it. flick so i'd have voted for it a third time um <laughs> for a third term do you so, want me to let's do it hop over let's yeah. do it uh you know mm. Mm. I don't like lists that I have no knowledge of. It's just not really fun. But I like I like the list part of what we're doing these days. I'll be sad. To, I'll be sad to part with twenty 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 twenty. Um, me too. And twenty one twenty one twenty one twenty one doesn't quite have the same ring nah, to it. No, doesn't roll no. off the tongue. It's too quite the same way. Too much. Uh, so looking at the worldwide box office in twenty seventeen, it's it's like I just feel. What's a good analogy I'm looking for here? You just. It's like the Jack Bauer clock over your head, knowing the 2020 box office is coming. You know, it's like, <laughs> man, the numbers are going to be abysmal yeah, compared to yeah. where they have been. So brief it. scan of 10 through six honorable mention to number 11, which is the lovely Pixar film Coco. Uh, number 10. Aw. 
is the first solo outing for Gal Gadot, that of Wonder Woman, with mm. eight hundred and twenty-one million dollars. Good flick. Uh, Wonder sequel Woman also Christmas Day. sequel coming Christmas Day to HBO Max, and you know if you want to go to the theater, um, yep. we'll be hanging out in my den watching Wonder Woman Part Two, mm. nineteen eighty-four. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine mm, on species. the list. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine on the list, coming in at $853 million, and coming in at number two on mine and Reed's top three, top five, whatever it was, MCU films. It is the one, the only, Asgard, Thor, Ragnarok. Yay! Love that yeah. Love it. Ah! Come, oh, that scene is so good. <laughs> so uh, great. I want to go watch that right now. Um, <laughs> number Love eight that. on the list. Uh, uh, fellow MCU canon here, uh, coming in at just under 10 million more than Ragnarok is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mary Poppins. Oh, interesting. Um, isn't it? Oh, wow. Mary Poppins, all, three, all three MCU films are on this list. Number seven. Wow. Okay, I forgot. I'm not supposed to be talking about dollars on this 10 through 6. Number That's seven okay. is a movie I have literally never heard of called, not, not just have I not heard of it, it is a sequel. It's called Wolf uh, Warrior 2. I don't even know what that is. Are, right. Are you that really? Face says everything. Yes. I'm staring at it right now. <laughs> box office mojo. 2017 worldwide box office. Wolf Warrior 2 with $870 million. It must be some super popular foreign film. Most successful film you've never heard of. Wow. I, Number I'm six. Just, wow. Dang. Is Spider-Man Homecoming. Good Okay. Flip. Sure. Yeah. Number five. I have not seen either of the entries in this franchise mm-hmm. at 962 million. It is Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. There, I guess that's the first one. No, welcome to the jungle. Is the, the first one. one. No, welcome okay. to the jungle is the first one. Uh, it, they're fun. They're really fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're right. I did they're just fun. watch Kevin Hart's new Netflix special. So that was fun. Oh, uh, number four on the list. Is, uh, I don't think I saw this was despicable me three. Just crossing the mm, okay. billion dollar mark, which is crazy. Number three, and it's low no wolf key. warrior. No, it's not. <laughs> but what is? Um, no, really, what is it? <laughs> it's a legitimate question, not a rhetorical number, question. No, number three on this list, and low key B side for 2021, thanks to new Papa Blake, is The Fate of the Furious at $1.2 billion. <laughs> Sure. We're gonna sure. will this thing into existence. It's just gonna <laughs> Here happen. Here it comes. Here it oh, goes. Oh, all fast, all furious. Number no. two is what I think is a pretty competent reimagining of the Disney classic in this new era we're in, and that is uh the Kenneth Branagh Beauty and the Beast at one point two six billion. Is that like Kenneth Branagh? It I is. did like it too. I did not realize that it was him, but yeah, I uh, yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I'm about ninety percent positive it is. We'll look that up at some point. Okay, because I know he did Cinderella, which is why I was uncertain. That's it. You're right. My oh, bad. Okay. Yeah, because mm. I know he did Cinderella, which I which I still consider one Cinderella. of the strongest of the. Oh, I loved Cinderella. Live action uh, stuff. Yeah, but I liked the Beauty and the Beast. See. I did. Of course, on Box Office Mojo, it doesn't give me any actual. The director cast or crew. Oh, there it is. Crew information. We're going to find this out real quick while we're here. Bill Condon. Sorry, Bill. Sorry, Kenneth. Bill Condon mm. directed mm. Beauty okay. and the Beast. But I do like Beauty and the Beast. I thought it was pretty good. Yes, I thought it was good. <sighs> Number one, Reed. I'm scared. Number one. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. $1.3 billion. <laughs> the last great gasp 
of the film franchise it is now i know what it is star wars episode eight the last jedi goodness God, I love gracious i jedi. love this movie <laughs> yeah i love that movie i love it I oh love it so man much. it's so good so good i feel like we so should like good! use this as a backdoor to discuss the jedi episode of mandalorian which was also so good so no, good I, I mean it might be the need to be different side of me that continues to shore up uh, in the face of criticism to this film. But I would put this right now on a top 10, at least favorite films of all time. I love. Wow. Yeah. I said it. Wow. That is a big deal. Yep. It's, it's definitely my favorite star Wars film. And I accredit that to it being the favorite of mine that I was able to see in the theater. Um, Cause obviously the first three, I just, you know, I, I caught them as a child growing up and, you know, did you? I did, I did, you know, com- complex viewing histories with, sure, uh, with yeah. those, you know, but, but, so, uh, yeah, so I heard. So, but, uh, but no, Last Jedi <laughs> is definitely, I think my, and I know that's a bold statement because some people like hate it and disavow it, but I, it, yeah, I think it's my favorite wow. of the nine, of the nine films. I think it's my favorite. So I think that's a fair assessment. Well, that puts one more installment of, Hashtag 2020, 2020 in the books. It was a pretty, Only a few left. It was a pretty brisk sort of uh, clip through uh, through that material. But again, we're getting into stuff that we've covered already before. Yeah, and uh, you ready to, to you ready to cover something else right now? I, I'm ready. All right, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. So I had mentioned when we were setting this up last week, and I truly mean this. I still feel this way. Like this experience of having a list like that where we've covered most of the material and listeners already know for these 2020, 2020 installments, we pretty much just pick the highest ranked item that we have not yet covered. Mm -hmm. And so I enjoyed, you know, in this process of like, Oh, what are we going to talk about next week? Getting to the list and being like, Oh, well, there's the, there's the, uh, you know, the clear winner because it's number four on the list Everything surrounding it, we've already covered. Of course, the ritual made the list, but it was too far down to justify it over Covenant. So I was like, no, this is this is great, because I honestly could not, I mentioned this last week, I could not conceive of a different context in which we might have covered this film. Um, and so uh, I really appreciated that, and I'm going to be actively thinking, trying to think of ways in which listeners can possibly pigeonhole us into other surprise coverage in different contexts uh, in future months because i just really enjoyed that quite a bit now i knew that you had seen prometheus had you ever seen covenant before watching it for this no no i didn't mean that to be a whisper no (laughs) no (laughs) no (laughs) in a world no i have i i had seen prometheus i've not seen prometheus since the theater uh, but okay. I had seen it. I had not seen this whatsoever. So what's interesting, and I'm going to ask Tell for me. your thoughts in a in a second, but so I, I rewatched Prometheus and then watched Alien Covenant as preparation for the episode. My memory of Prometheus was passively Defender. So like, I, I was like, it got... <laughs> That's like the worst superhero ever. The passive <laughs> Defender. Like, the oh, passive okay. Defender is like, okay, guys. I guess like, I'll help. Listen. Everybody, come on. everybody, come on, calm down. You do deserve to down. live. 
<laughs> um, Let so, me step in front of this bullet, I guess. Not too fast. So, Sorry. Um, go ahead. The, uh, but no, so my traditional sort of position was when people would rail against Prometheus, which surprisingly they, they did rather frequently. Like there was a lot of backlash against Prometheus in ways that I'm still trying to understand. I would usually be the one that chimed in and was like, I found Prometheus kind of interesting. Sure. I didn't love it, but I think it's got some interesting ideas at its core. Beautifully shot. Like the film just looks gorgeous. And I was like, I, you know, so I would kind of defend Prometheus watching it this time around. I actively enjoyed it, like to the yeah. degree to where I was like, I, my my esteem has now risen to where I would not only just passively defend Prometheus, but actively defend it, and mm. might even mm. uh, champion it to to a certain degree as worthy of reconsideration. In contrast to that, I saw Alien Covenant, and my first viewing of it, I was like, that was fun, that was good, I liked it. This time around, watching it literally the next day after having seen Prometheus, my esteem for it went down a bit. I don't hate it, but I have a couple of things that I'll point out in contrast that, that I that I don't uh, respond to as positively about Alien Covenant from this viewing this time around. That setup being given, I am going to invite you to share your, your thoughts. So, Do I get some time? You know what? I don't need your attitude. That was a lot. I don't need to, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go jump <laughs> on the Nostromo. Um, so I have seen Prometheus uh my general affection for you know lindelof the hack i'm just kidding he's not um whoa is <laughs> shots fired <laughs> 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 sorry uh, di- uh diversion there digression there um i remember liking prometheus and it activating my imagination a good bit for what it was after mm. and then now but here's the thing that matters to this conversation is I have always been a relative. You are a passive defender of Prometheus. I am a passive fan of the alien franchise. Okay, so I'm sure, not yeah. like, I don't, I've, I except for the AVPs of which there's at least two, right? There are only two, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I'm not seeing those, but I've seen everything else now. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them. I think, yeah. As we discussed on our alien conversation, we haven't done aliens, right? We have not done that. No, we um, only covered alien. I remember discussing on that. I mean, it's got one of the finest creature designs in the history of cinema. Um, yes, absolutely. But there are deep fans of this, of the mythology, the Wayland Yutani stuff. And I think I'm saying that right. And I believe so, yeah. You know, and so that stuff is interesting. But I've never been the one to just like glom onto that. Uh, to your point, and bless his heart, he did have a rough run there immediately post lost. The reason people hated on Prometheus, at least on a on a certain sector, was the little off attachment, which he came in late to the process and bless his it heart got blamed for all. a lot of no, it really yeah. wasn't. Um yeah. but uh I remember liking Prometheus, liking some of the things it was scratching at even if i didn't totally understand the mythology it was trying to lay the groundwork for sure sure um i thought about revisiting it for this but <laughs> nobody got time for that <laughs> except except Riri. i'm impressed and applaud you um <laughs> i just didn't get around to it and and i'll say this for alien covenant not knowing what to expect but having a mild 
mm, mildly low expectations just from general comprehension of the of its reception. Yeah, you know, I, right. I, I didn't know anything about the story or anything. I found myself kind of having fun with it. I was like, oh, this is, yeah. you know, I mean, more or less what you're after in an alien film is Xena moves. Xena moves. That's <laughs> <laughs> a new. That's the cow new version. Internet. That's the Calvert. The Xena move. Xena move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've all got little. They've all got little distinctives about the thing it's they true. come from. It's, that's the cow version. <laughs> the xenomorphs. That's hysterical. Uh, the xenomorphs. <laughs> when you come to an alien movie, you want to see that well executed on screen. Mm-hmm. You want some weird cyborg stuff going on. Right. And, right. you know, action and, and creepy it's, crawlies. And this kind of delivers that if you're yes. like me, who is not hyper plugged into the mythology and even in that, I found it kind of interesting, which is me. I, I'm actually not rebuffing what you're saying because I haven't seen Prometheus close enough to it to be able to compare the two. But for just the casual observer of the franchise, it's kind of cool to see, oh, they're kind of laying this interesting groundwork for where the mythology came from and is going to. And that's cool. And hey, mm-hmm. I like these performers. So, yeah. Right. That's right. A, a rough but- assessment of my experience of it. You're, I mean, you so accurately sort of described what I do think is one of the the strengths of the film is that it's fun and it delivers aliens on the alien franchise. One of the things, (laughs) Xena moves. So it's not a one for one comparison by any means, but um, it's interesting that Last Jedi came up a few minutes ago because I do at least mildly, again, it is not a one-for-one comparison. I do at least mildly compare some of what happened with Prometheus mm-hmm. to what happened with Last Jedi, which is see what you're doing. Prometheus didn't give fans right. of Alien what they wanted. And I think they dismissed, perhaps too quickly and perhaps unfairly, dismissed what Prometheus was trying to instead do, which I feel... This is just my opinion. I feel, having watched the films in close proximity to each other, that Prometheus aims for something a bit different and hits it pretty close to the target. Yeah. I, I, it's, not, it's not a perfect film, and it doesn't answer all the questions that it raises, but it raises them thoughtfully and interestingly and, and has some really thought-provoking elements to its core. So it aims for something different and mostly hits it. In contrast to that, Alien Covenant, and I think largely because of the backlash, like it's it's kind of yes. trying to be like, well, d- 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 you got aliens now. Now you now well, we're going to put the aliens but in. But to on your point, rather directly, and and I don't know that, uh, not that this would necessarily happen. I do think we should limit Prometheus talk after a minute, just because that's it's not, not our feature thing, coverage. I don't, right, I don't right, want to right, hurt right. people listening to it who may not have seen that, but to your <laughs> co-host included, but um, <laughs> to your point, even Ridley Scott in conversation post Prometheus will is open about, Hey, I was steering away mm-hmm. from the xenomorph sort of iconography towards something different because the fans right. don't want it. And then was, mm-hmm put in his place by fandom which has its own <laughs> layers of whatever you want to do with it there 
yes. and steered back into it. Now, I will ask, I'll ask you with your recency of watching it for the purposes of this conversation and discussion of Alien Covenant and maybe listeners who haven't seen Prometheus. Uh, Covenant clearly establishes in summary that Android Fastbender is responsible in large part, if not in total, for the creation of what would become the xenomorph yes. sort of you know race of whatever absolutely remind yeah. me i know the xenomorph in at least its you know kind of germ form shows up in the tail end of prometheus uh, bursts out of somebody i don't even remember the yes. total context out but of it's, a gri- it's a yeah. grisly scene mm-hmm. uh out of a human person or an no, engineer out of an engineer people? Oh. Yeah, one of the engineer people. Yeah, so in the in the final, uh, just very briefly, one of the final climactic scenes, uh, a an engineer who is alive uh, and has attacked and killed most the everybody beings, that survived the humans. beings. Right, right, right. right. Um, our <clears throat> main character Shaw, who is referenced in Alien Covenant, um, right. has a fight with him, and the fight ultimately ends by her putting him in the path of an overgrown face hugger like uh, like and when i say overgrown mm. face hugger like right, right. probably a 10 foot tall you know like huge face hugger kind of thing that uh, attaches that. himself to the engineer mm-hmm. and then at the the final shot of prometheus after you know shaw and david rise off the planet is the uh the you know sort of pr- primordial version of the of the xenomorph like bursting out of the engineer sure okay but I guess what I'm trying to ask for the purposes of setting up Alien Covenant discussion is, does David as tinkerer and div- creator, is that part of Prometheus? I just can't remember. I know he's a primary character and or ultimate antagonist on a certain level, but I can't remember. Does he Is he a geneticist or whatever it is that he is in this one? The seeds are planted. But not to the degree that they go in Alien Covenant. Like, he is uh, responsible for, like, kind of the infection element. And you can see that his character is interested in what this, what these uh, genetic possibilities are for these beings. He's Mm -hmm. fascinated by that. And you can see the the ground laid for it. But he does not begin that process actively in the course of Prometheus. Um, Now, would you say that you're, um, and this could be a good segue just into the content of Covenant or the discussion of Covenant. Would you say that why your sort of attitude shifted some is because, hey, Prometheus is more thematic and I like the thematics it was after, Mm. uh, whereas Covenant steers back into more traditional, at least, action tropes? Like, would you say that's part of why you kind of toned back your affection or is it something else specific? No, that's that's definitely a prime factor is Prometheus is more interested in its ideas than it is its narrative. And I found that deeply compelling. Um, Covenant is more interested in clipping pace to get us to where we want to get, which is monster movie. Sure. And while I'll I'll give two characters in comparison, Uh, the character of Shaw is a person of faith, which is Numi Rapace. Numi Rapace. Yes. She's a person of faith and they have several moments and touch points throughout Prometheus where her character and her character's choices are informed by that 
and and she's wrestling with it and wrestling with the ideas in a way that is consistent throughout. In contrast to that, in Alien Covenant, Billy Crudup's character is yeah. a person of faith, and they give barely more than lip service to that element yeah. of his yeah. of his personhood. So one of the things that stood out to me about Alien Covenant is ultimate thematics are there to kind of uh, like the germs of them are there, but it did not feel like the film was as interested in doing much with them as much as it was in just getting to the aliens and getting to the gruesomeness. And that felt like a step down from what Prometheus does, which is commit to this is an idea driven story. Um, and well, so, and yeah. what makes me, what that makes me think of is, uh, some phraseology that is relatively relatively new to my lexicon at least but you might be familiar with this notion of hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi yes right it mm-hmm. feels like covenant does steer a little more hard sci-fi it's the nuts and bolts it's the it's the you know uh bone and blood of why a thing exists in the universe that's mm. different than us or whatever whereas um the soft sci-fi is okay. We're not that interested in the details. We're interested in the ramifications or the implications. And um, so it's interesting. I actually don't know uh, because I think your definitions there might be correct, but I, I always thought the difference, and I, I don't know. So this is not me rebuffing. I always thought the difference was hard sci-fi is deeply rooted in the mechanics of how science fiction works. What people wanted lost sure. to be, where they're like, how does this time travel island work? You know, what is, you know, what all that was? And and that would get into hard sci-fi, where soft sci-fi is something more a bit like, like Back to the Future, where it's like, yeah, we're not going to, we're just going to give you enough information to know that, yeah, you know, uh, this many gigawatts and 88 miles per hour and everything. And then you go back right. in time. Isn't that fun? You know, like that's soft sci-fi is what I yes. understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we're, we're loosely describing similar things. But, and in fact, wildly interesting, this keeps coming up. One of the criticisms that I would actually give ear to of The Last Jedi is that Star Wars historically is not a hard sci-fi franchise and series, but things like in The Last Jedi, I don't know if you you remember this, but a primary plot device of The Last Jedi is fuel and it's and and having it or not having it and Mm. some criticism was what in the world why is this this is suddenly star trek or something you know like yeah which isn't a criticism of star trek as much as just like star wars is not usually in this lane anyway right yes main takeaway simply being covenant you know dispenses a bit with the more philosophical elements of what prometheus sort of lays out and and to your point, I remember that's what fascinated me about Prometheus was right. like, oh, this is some really interesting stuff. And and I remember being one of those nerds who stayed up reading about it after the fact and theories and yes. ideas that it presented. Um, yes. So no, I do remember having a fondness for it. I think, and maybe this is our final word on Prometheus, I, I don't know, but I think listeners who have not seen it, um, just be prepared that yes, it's like it, it, it's it's only somewhat tangentially an alien movie, um, but it's fascinating and and I think uh, it's really strong and I think you Nathan specifically might really benefit from a rewatch of it. I think it, I think it's really interesting and it's it's very absorbing. Uh, the score is beautiful in Prometheus. <laughs> I was so like oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, it's just I th- well, I think you would you would benefit from a rewatch and and you would know this because I know you've spent some time the last few years in the uh, alien uh, franchise um, from a critical perspective. But what's interesting to me about alien writ large is it's almost 
kind of muddied its own waters now with yeah. what was intended to be. I don't even mean narratively, like actually narratively, you could kind of put some interesting pieces together. I mean, box office wise and, and release wise, because Prometheus was intended as the launch of a trilogy. Well, it then was, yes. they, for, you know, whether you would agree with it or not, they thought, okay, maybe we fumbled this in terms of what we were mm-hmm. focusing on, pivot right back into Xenomorph. And now we've got Covenant. And actually, I was reading there was meant to be the third one, or at least maybe a second one of Covenant as a first. Who the heck knows at this point was Alien Awakening. Like that was already right, right. meant to be in production because this one is 17 years pre Nostromo um, in the uh, chronology. Yes, that's right. 17 mm-hmm. or 19, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, point being, from a pure just like film release standpoint, it's almost indiscernible which ends up even though the narrative chronology kind of does a good job of tying itself off. Yeah. Um, anywho, uh, Um, so before, before we get into more specifics, do you have any, uh, you've already mentioned kind of a couple. Do you, do you have any more specific, uh, trivial bits? I only have, um, two that I wanted to specifically highlight. Um, I thought it was interesting that Catherine Waterston's hairstyle was because what's his face? What's his name? The Flash, oh. Credence, and the dumb beasts films. What's his name? Oh. Ezra Miller. Oh, Ezra yeah, Miller. Yeah, yeah. They were filming Fantastic Beasts. Catherine Waterston needed to record an audition. His wig was nearby. She put it on for the audition. They liked it. They kept. They kept it. So that's why her haircut is the way it is. Use that hair. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? So weird. That's the it's only so other trivial bit I've got. Um, I only had two that I wanted to mention. One is uh, just I find interesting. So you might have noticed James Franco in a very, yep. you know, essentially a cameo. Um, supposedly, there was a lot of excised material, cutting room material that was going to mm-hmm. be flashback and his role was going to be bigger. But once they cut all of that material, it was essentially a cameo at this point. He plays, um, you know, her character's husband, Branson. Um, I did think it was interesting that this, well, Somewhat to my frustration. This is yet another time in this franchise. It happens between Aliens and Alien 3 as well, where a character who survives a previous installment is dead in the second one, but they died like off screen somewhere. That sure. happens at yeah. the end of Aliens because the, the girl and uh, Hicks, you know, character, they both survived Aliens, and then when Alien Three opens up, they're just they're just dead. Something got in the pods, and they're just dead. And that was frustrating because it could, would have been interesting to sort of see something progress with those characters. Likewise, in this, Shaw survived the end of Prometheus, and then she's just died off screen elsewhere when Covenant has begun. Um, so that's just a, a frustrating habit that this franchise has. That I, I wish it would do a little bit more character continuity because I think it would be mm. more interesting beyond just the. Ripley character and the Bishop character, which are really the only ones that have kind now, of carried over. Does I'm sorry, we do need to get to Covenant specifically. Yeah, does do, do the ABPs pretend to play in the same time stream or universe or uh, whatever? It has been too long for okay. me to accurately answer that because honestly, I watched each of them, and to be honest, I didn't finish the second one, which is called Requiem. I watched the first one, didn't care much for it watched like the first half of the second one before I realized like I don't really care about this one either and so like I I just kind of maybe sure. there's some fans of it out there that are like dude revisit friggin AVP okay uh, okay <laughs> you know maybe I will <laughs> at some point maybe that'll be another B-side or something at some point but um but no maybe so not. I I wouldn't be able to uh accurately okay. answer okay no, that's fine so. 
Um, so uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't have much else in the way of uh, trivial bits. I do want to throw uh, some 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 kudos Amy Simmons way because I oh, yeah. uh, you know she's she's starting to clock some fog fog time for us. She's now true. a three timer <laughs> with oh. this and Pet Cemetery and you're next. Like oh, all, true. Of, all of a sudden, out of oh. nowhere, she's climbing the ranks. Look out, hey. Patrick Wilson. Ain't nobody even seen Amy Simmons coming. Like nobody. Nope. Just like here she it's here like, she comes running out the doorway. I'm here. That, She's got like, a pretty grisly death in this one, or at least adjacent. That's, no, that's quite true. Um, I'll say this. I'm gonna own it, and I'll say it and own it. This okay. is the most I've enjoyed Danny McBride on screen in an incredibly long time. He I actually com- like his yes performance in this now it is worth mentioning i feel like this came up on a pod recently um or maybe just in general conversation in general he's one of those performers that i don't tend to care for because for quite a while there it seemed like all he did was play the same beats right right and those beats were not things i enjoyed um so initially when i saw him there i was like oh okay well then watching the film i was like look at i like i like what you're doing danny um, so well, between this and next week's entry, I was like, look, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, he specifically commented in interviews that he appreciated that he was cast as a pretty direct character because being a, a comedian career wise, traditionally, sure. he expected, and especially with his hat and everything, he expected that he was going to be cast as this egotistical, like buffoon that gets killed off in the first couple of you know, deaths to prove the situation is serious or whatever. And so uh, he was privileged and glad to find out. I mean, his character ostensibly things are not going to go well for him based on how this film ends, but his character survives the film, which is again, that's, you know, and, and the fact that he spends most of the film, uh, you know, you feel sympathy for him. You root for him with some of the efforts that he's trying to make. You understand the risky choices that he's making. He's a well-rounded character. He's one of the highlights of the film for me, honestly. So yeah, Yeah. I I agree. Well, it's just a more toned down version Mm -hmm. of what he kind of normally does. And I appreciated that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I love Michael Fassbender. Uh, have for uh, have enjoyed his perf- you know uh, uh, career for quite a while. Um, I will Crudup say, was great. Yeah, what? Uh, before we leave Fassbender, I also love Fassbender. Walter's accent bugs the heck out of it's me. It's a little weird. Really? Yeah. I just, I didn't, it's like didn't care for that. British person pretending to be an android, pretending to be mm-hmm. an American right. Midwesterner. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of right. what it felt like. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a little strange. In fact, a note I had, because again, I was just trying to center myself on the chronology and figure out what on earth is going on. Mm. Because you see the opening scene with Wayland and David. And right, then right. we're just into the film and then you meet Walter and I wrote down, where is it? Is, is Walter David 10 years later? I wrote that down and literally like a minute later wrote, never mind. <laughs> cause, the, <laughs> cause the film answered it for me by bringing David into the story. Like, Oh, okay. No, that's all right. <laughs> fine. Fine. Um, funny. I wanted to comment because you made this note a minute ago about the Prometheus comparison. Billy Crudup is such a great presence on screen who I saw on Broadway, by the way, uh, with Sir oh, really? Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah. He he was in that? Oh. No, oh, no. He was in Waiting again, for Godot. Because uh, didn't uh, that, isn't that the no, he was in, McKellen? Um, he was not in Waiting for Godot. Uh, well, he had a adjacent. 
specifically he was in no man's land which is a different play so so okay stewart and mckellen were doing in rep godot and no man's land and there was them and then two other performers one of which was crudup who had parts in both of those plays as well but yes mm-hmm. i did get to see him on broadway it was really cool uh but he's he's so magnetic on screen such a great just sort of presence from a uh, charisma standpoint a performance standpoint a visual standpoint when it introduces his faith thing i was like oh okay well that's that's interesting mm-hmm. and then to mm-hmm. your point i was like oh well, i mean or not you know <laughs> it's like, they do okay, very I- little with it like they do some interesting thing they start to do some interesting things with it in the spaceship interaction but then once they get once they get to the planet like that that's just it then his character is neurotic what? about the Tell fact me. that remind me what what with what you're what, what with what you just said i'm asking you remind me what do they do in the spaceship other than just what what it largely what, does, drives- what happens with Credup's character that if you took out the faith jargon would not would be any different actually nothing different uh that you wouldn't be able to explain by a sort of a hopeful optimism yeah because um he yeah it's just that he has you know belief in their mission and belief that things will turn out well for them and therefore you know this is a serendipitous occurrence that they've discovered this other planet and they should you know pivot over to that but that's yeah that's really it now to the film's credit because of his name, because of at least how they prop up in in name that aspect of his character, I did not see his exit coming. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, see you, bro. Bye, bye, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to bring up now, I am just kind of bouncing all over the place, but we can go wherever you want. The right. as much as I will laud the, the full grown xenomorph execution visually as it relates to cinema and creature design in in the history of cinema the face hugger as a thing as a concept might be one of the most disturbing and unsettling pieces of sci-fi arcana that exists in the visual medium i mean it is so unsettling and disturbing no question in its design and in what it does I remember specifically in this film, the like close up shot of it wrapping its tail around his neck as yeah. it settles onto his face. I'm like, this is so nasty. It's, yeah, it's really awful. Such yeah. an unsettling sort of, you know, yeah. concept and phenomena. Well, I think in our episode on Alien, we had addressed, at least tangentially, that it was like, I don't know if, I can't remember now if it was conceptualized this way, but definitely like kind of kind of appears like a re- a reverse of a sexual assault kind of thing but but to like the, there's all that kind of imagery like it's all wrapped up in the metaphor and in the way its mechanics work and everything it's just yeah it's really invasive Y'all, reed, reed said that not me okay so <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna write some hate mail <laughs> i think it's i mean i think it's I'm been studied on with i know it's like i think it's been studied um, on you know I I'm just running down a, a quick likes dislikes list here. I loved the Walter David fight. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yes, uh, yeah, no, I did like that a lot. The only my only ding with it is it's got like some great you know uh, th- it, it's in my scares actually when David stabs him so mm-hmm. unexpectedly and then his you know you think Walter's just been taken out and then 
they bring Walter in 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 one of the film's main stand up and cheer kind of moments. Walter and David fight. To your point, that's a fantastic fight. I I just kind of dislike the way they ultimately remove the relevance of it with what they were trying to do. Not remove the rele- relevance of what. Well, maybe that are was you saying you like the the showdown that you think is. The final scene where he stabs him from behind or whatever it is he does. Well, That's no, yeah. I, so, so I like that. And then I like when Walter comes back and is is fighting with him. And Hello, then, David. <laughs> and then Walter gets, and he even says, like, you know, I, or, I forget what David says to him. Like, I thought you were dead or whatever. Is like, there have been some, you know, upgrades since your day. And then, like, that's really, that's really awesome. That was That's cool. really fantastic. Yeah. But then, and I, I knew it. I knew the moment that Walter, and I knew this from the first viewing, the moment that Walter like raises his hand back and then it cuts away to something else. I'm like, and then when do, Walter listen, shows back read, up. Listen, Reed, no one, you don't need to be told you're a smart man. <laughs> you don't have to inform us you knew this from the first viewing. I Because if anything, if you hadn't known this from the first viewing, it's one of the most poorly and directly telegraphed things in modern oh. sci-fi movie making yes. is, right. huh, good point. I wonder if that's really Walt David. I mean, come on, Reed, you don't have to illustrate. Your, oh your smarts are achieved in uh, on display in far better ways than being able to discern Fair that point. it is actually point. David and not Walter. What was interesting, did you catch the deleted scene where right when that climactic moment when they're in the cave or the cavern or the cave or the lab or whatever and uh, David stabs him in the neck? There's a there's at least a deleted scene that surprised me for how prescient it was where Walter just with gurgling cyborg fluid says, ew, David. <laughs> I just figure how long can I make you think that the ah, no, zoom has frozen? Gummit. <laughs> reads reads, ew, ew, reads like I caught it the first time. I caught it the first time. Like, uh, I, I saw that yeah. coming, everybody. I saw it. Yes, everyone's already <laughs> coming. Um it was the poor, most poorly I was like, oh, I wrote, oh, uh, I literally wrote at the end of the scene. Oh, David took his place. You know, it's just <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Of I course. do want to point out in the uh, add it to the list of dream warriors and the ongoing discovery of scenes. Youth pastors should show teenagers of the de- the dangers of premarital sex. Yes. That shower yes. scene at the end is is definitely one to add yes. to the list. Yes. I don't like the way that the aliens tail like a scorpion tail kind of comes under the uh-uh. shower thing. I'm like, uh-uh. nope. No, 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 no. That 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 put me off of uh, intimacy and shower taking. So no, thank you on the whole the whole time. Yeah, I just like nope, nope, yeah. no, nope. I love that you just like put me off of intimacy and shower taking. Yeah, I'm not even gonna take a shower now. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, about an intimate like shower? Even worse. Ew, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Ew, David. Thank you. Um. Uh, yes. No, thank you. Gonna get you. us some scares. Uh, I'm trying to see if there was anything else. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Oh, I will say. Just it's one of the few shots where like because I'm, I'm kind of frustrated by David's, you know, existence and presence in this film. But his really? arrival when they when the the sort of uh, baby version warrior. Right. Right. I kind of thought that I kind of thought that was pretty awesome, like where he just fires the flare up and everything. I just I, I thought that was a great like entry point for that and so i just i i love that little shot but yeah let's get to let's get to a you few say scares. that i mean i i kind of agree with you i think if i were less generous towards my a little lowered expectation affection for my first go round of the film 
I mean, Fassbender looks pretty dumb with the long hair. It's it's really not a good yeah. look. Yeah, but he cuts it very quickly. So, you know, there's that. Right. Because again, <laughs> hmm, Telegraph. I wonder <laughs> what might happen here. Uh, so the scares there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this. I will. There's one that happens before this, but the the first signal of the grotesquerie to come at least the first major signal is your boy's back bloody bursts on Amy Simmons face. Good. That Lord. is the most repulsive. So gross. Yeah. Blood, blood everywhere. <laughs> and then yeah. she comes back in with the gun and she just slips in it. I was like this, <laughs> this ain't right. No, no, get out of there, girl. Spinal blood. No, 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 no. Thank you. No. Thank and then you. she accidentally blows up the whole ship. I was like, wow. Overreaction. It's like those little memes where, you know, they say like, you know, the meme says found a spider. And then the next meme is like the whole house on fire. It's like killed it. You know, like that's it. She found the spider and blew up the whole ship. Indeed. I did not see that coming. I did like, although it's, yeah. I mean, pretty much all of the kills could rank. They're 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 executed effectively. No pun intended on the word executed. But like Rosenthal's death with the beheading and everything. Like she turns around and and I remember I was watching the film. I hadn't really Which been. One is that? Rosenthal. Uh, she's the girl that gets beheaded at the fountain. She's you know oh, uh, putting yeah, yeah. putting yeah. antiseptic on her like bullet wounds and or you know and those the little fleshy, scars. Fleshy Xena move. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that thing was pretty ugh, was pretty gruesome. Um, I was like, well, let me ask you. So, is the but the xenomorph at the end of Prometheus is the traditional black skin type, or is it? No, not it looks formed? very. It looks very malformed from what we typically. You would be able to presume at the end of it that that is a an early version right. of an early but iteration. but no it definitely is not because that it, it doesn't look the way that that little naked fella running through the woods running through the fields slashing and hacking and tail thwacking people's jaws off i was like part of me thinks you cute part of me thinks you nasty as fog <laughs> you know i'm like slashing and hacking tail thwacking that ain't right that ain't <laughs> slashing hacking tail thwacking <laughs> that is baby zeno Look at him go. Look at him, baby Zeno go. <laughs> baby Zeno. Zeno moves. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, my jaw is off. <laughs> it's like a little chicken. You know, just a little. Oh, Lord have mercy. These are <laughs> the alien. We should do more alien movies so that we yes. can just, uh, you know, come up with all these ridiculous. You know, the first one, yeah. Alien just wants a hug. Like, oh. recontextualizes the whole thing. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> this one little, he's just on his own little, out in the, the world little engine that could and then like oh friends i'm gonna get some friends give me a kiss <laughs> give me a kiss start, <laughs> jo- ugh, starts dropping around him it's like what, what? Lord what's the matter <laughs> i didn't do it <laughs> I don't know um, my yeah that thing's nasty though oh. i mean i'll give him some props in this film i mean some of the designs ancillary to the traditional xenomorph is pretty dang nasty I mean that. Yes. Yeah. 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 That yeah. pale man version. Uh. Uh. uh well, Labyrinth s- reference there, but see, this is okay. So, I love the fight scenes, but I will tell you that. Tell me. It frustrates me in this film that when 
big bad mama xenomorph finally shows up the only time in this film that i get scared by its presence is when it first appears above the two like in the in the can in the cavern when it like emerges from the uh the ceiling and then you know drops mm-hmm. down on them that makes me kind of jump and and energizes me a bit but in the main big fights like where it's going and and it's uh whacking its head against the cockpit yeah, yeah, yeah. visor and and then even in the end where she's trying to escape it now i will say you referenced earlier the shower scene i i had forgotten about that 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 is definitely sort of alarming but um i was i was thinking as those fight scenes were going i was like this is cool action but right. i'm not scared yes. of right. the big bad it's interesting like, this feels like it it could beget a whole uh conversation that maybe can begin here and bleed over into some next week because you're making me think of our film for next week because it's interesting watching this film. It's, I mean, to, to someone who's literally never seen a horror movie or especially an alien movie, like they might watch this and be a little creeped out, but it is not scary. It is, it is an action movie with a monster, but right. Right. But now time and history and legacy have have dulled some of the rougher edges from a, some rather the sharper edges of the first alien film but i would say that's traditional quote-unquote horror in a real Absolutely. way Absolutely. that this yeah. is not and it does make mm-hmm. you kind of wonder again i am intentionally signaling to next week and don't want to utterly unpack but it feels and this is sort of what i was getting at earlier it feels like Alien, the franchise, is more interested in Alien, the franchise, than in let's make a really wicked horror movie mm. with the xenomorph creation that we've developed in in cinema history. That's really epic, epic looking and and horrifying. Right? They don't. They aren't right. interested in that anymore. Yeah. If, is that I fair? Agree. Is that a fair? No, statement? I think I, I think it's fair, and I think that. Um, for better or worse, the uh, this was aiming to a degree to try to recapture the imaginations of fans of the Alien franchise. So your point about the Alien franchise is interested in the Alien franchise, yes, exactly. Is that they want to? Uh, hey, you know we're we're getting a new Alien movie. Isn't everybody excited? Ooh, y'all, here's y'all, the here's the data excited? dump you didn't know you wanted is how they were made. Right, 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 right. You know? you know, and and I will say that it's like that's the thing is is the antagonist in this is David, and David is significantly despite the whole mess about you know him trading places with Walter at the end and and Wait. how. Far that's what? telegraphed, <laughs> but he's our he's our primary antagonist, and he's significantly more interesting and a little bit more ominous and sort of uh, like I will say, it is creepier than anything the full blown xenomorph does when he like has his big reveal that it shows it's him and he's like I'll tuck in the children and he like you know, gurgles up those little pods oh, yeah, of the yeah, face hergers, yeah. you know, like that's the that, face hergers. The face hergers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got the Xena moose over here and the face hergers over there. <laughs> and the turst bursters, you know, it's a Xenomorph. <laughs> little Heidi face herger. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. But, but that's the so so that's the thing that I like. Um, I don't know. That's that's part of what uh, 
distances me a bit from this film um, is is because I do feel like in the other alien movies, the xenomorphs themselves are imposing presences and they're they're frightening and they are even in Aliens, which is the other installment in this franchise that most directly aims for action sci-fi rather than horror sci-fi. But still, the alien creatures in that are very frightening. And they are right. imposing, especially the the queen alien at the end. It's it's very uh, arresting visually, and 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 sort of energizes you. I'm just not that, you know. Like when she is fighting, maybe that's what it really is. And it, I don't think this was just about me seeing it for the second time. When she's fighting it on the platform, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's like crawling around. I'm not scared for her. I'm just like, sure. oh, look, look at that yeah. little, look at that little bug action set around. piece. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and I feel like um, that 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 hurts my affection for this film in a way that um, you know I I just I wish I don't it had know been what imposing. I mean when I say what I'm about to say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> what a preface. Yeah, knowing at least this person's reputation on for what they put on screen, it feels like you almost need like a David Cronenberg esque entry. Like, like mm. from the body horror standpoint, like, like what, what is left to be done to really mine what cinema horror is still available in this franchise? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, like right, right, there's right. the sci-fi, which is the, the xenomorphology and David's right, tinkering right. and all that kind of stuff. And the, the mythology of the Wayland yutani group and what that means or doesn't mean and and you know your mileage will vary on how much you like that but in terms of the film as a horror piece what else could you do to push that okay well we've seen the the xenomorph idea enshrouded in shadow and looming and overtake like right, the, it's, right. there's not a whole lot of ground left to find that would at least that readily comes to mind that would push mm-hmm. us into new horror levels like something, you know, truly body horrific, which I don't want to watch, but would be a good yeah. way to continue that, especially yeah. considering how much, I mean, it feels like it feels like secondarily to monster, uh, uh, subgenre is body horse right there. I mean, David, right, right. You know, experiments on these things, and and mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, I don't know. Just thinking no, out loud no, of I, what's possible. I, I I don't disagree, and and uh, which would seem to substantiate why they were previously kind of on the right track with pivoting a bit away from that to something new and different with mm-hmm. Prometheus, and then I I I grow. I'm a fan. And I love fans, and fans are great, and, and and all that wonderful thing. But I hate the way that certain reactionary things from supposed widespread whatevers mm-hmm. can sometimes inhibit otherwise very interesting storytelling um, to the way to the degree where it's like, yeah, uh, there are so many people who would just prefer because they want to see the big xenomorph be scurrying around and 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 uh be an imposing figure so they'd prefer that to something that maybe just for myself that i find significantly more interesting um and uh and so yeah i maybe that's part of why i responded so much more strongly to what prometheus was giving me and then when i watched alien covenant be like actually you know like yeah great that's fine this is 
You know, this is kind of cool. But honestly, the most interesting parts of this movie to me are when there's not action set piece stuff going around. And, sure. and with the yeah. characters interacting and trying to, you know, understand what their mission is and understand what their goals are and all this other and, and trying to figure out how they navigate these sort of treacherous terrains. That's the thing that interests me the most. So anyway. Well, and, you know, you can tell me to shut up at some point of, of the things that come to me of, well, this could have been an interesting take here. To your point about what gets abandoned with Crudup's character, the the clear felt need to stay beholden to the to stay beholden to the David thread established in Prometheus weighs down a little bit. Like like the need to honor that doesn't do justice to what I'm about to say. But there would be something truly horrific and tragic. If the thread of the story, the themes of the story were about what happens when you think you've found a home mm, that mm. is, is rent and, and murderously. So from you, like that's if, right, if at the right. end of this film is crud up, uh, 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 surrounded by the eviscerated bodies of his crewmates and wife, because his hubris and, and shortcutting led them wow. to this new place. Yeah. And you almost have a mist esque ending where, it's it's you know I, I don't know to me that's pretty interesting like that's a I new take on what is possible storytelling wise in this world no i i think that's i think that's incredibly fascinating and would have been sorry to keep coming back to it listeners but yeah would have been a really good extension of the sort of subtextual exploration of prometheus which is what if we meet our maker and he's trying to destroy us that's the that's the premise of prometheus is like you spend all this time trying to reconnect with your maker and your maker is either indifferent to you or actively wants to eradicate you. And how do you cope with that? And how do you navigate that? And uh, that it's not the only thing Prometheus is about, but it is a fundamental sort of tenet of it. What you've just postulated with a, an alt world covenant is significantly more interesting. Like, Oh yeah, this is our home. This is our destiny. This is our, you know, this is the place where we're going to lay our roots and everything. And then that is where, you know, havoc has been unleashed in, yeah, in this scenario. You almost you know? have this, I mean, they, they nod to it, but again, the, the pressures of action filmmaking and honoring the David thread, uh, kind of supersedes this, but you almost have this Jack Locke thing going on with Crudup and Danny, uh, yeah. Crudup and Waterston. That is really interesting. You know, his quote unquote faith is compelling him to say, this is where we need to stay. Right. And her, her compulsion towards, I am not sure about this, like keep mm -hmm. that as your central theme. Right. That then right. just becomes this uber tragic tale of just sure. not, not mm -hmm. following the path or whatever, or trying to short circuit no, or shortcut it. Anyway. I agree. I agree. Um, so uh, do you think that might be a good segue to sort of just unpack one, th one, one idea that I did think was kind of interesting uh, in this, I don't know if you had anything anything substantive that you wanted to make sure we we touched on in Covenant. Do you do you mind, or do you have something you want to share first? Uh, no, no, no. I'm I'm good. I I don't know where you're going, but I don't have any massive stuff. I did write down because it's a hell of a line. I we can feel free to use it. To, to to use it as its own launch pad grafted into what you have to say or just hit and run i love the line when walter to danny as she's going into cryosleep if we are kind it will be a kind world 
And I mean, it's an ironic line coming from this character, but it's a really right pregnant line. Anyway, that, no, yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, I don't no, have absolutely. any other real unpacking to do there. So I did want to I did want to hone in on David's character because it's it's the line you just cited. It is ironic because yes, he is pretending to be Walter at that moment and is putting uh you know his his sort of hoped for statement out to her but his whole invention of these xenomorphs this is what i thought was was interesting is he's pursuing the creation of like a perfect organism that's that's what at least part of his sort of mission is is this uh this perfect flawless creation that's what As he's a trying brief trivial bit he says that in this film and mf unless i'm wrong i'm pretty sure um Oh, Bishop of the first film. Yes. That's a line he says it's also. Ash. Ash. Ash from the first film. Yeah. Uh, is there a uh, Bishop? Am I making that up? You're not making it up. Bishop appears in Aliens. Ash is the one from Aliens. Is it Bishop Lance Henriksen? Or Lance Henriksen yes. is Ash? No, Bishop, Ash is Ian Holm. Yeah, that's yes. right. Okay. Yeah. Bishop is uh, Lance Henriksen. Ash is the one that finds the xenomorph an impressive species, a perfect sort of yes. organism. Right. And this is what David's pursuing. But what I struck onto is the way that, and and maybe this maybe this will go places, maybe it won't. But the the underpinning of that idea of perfection is lacking weakness and vulnerability. That's that's what is, you know, so many people in so many ways is that this is perfect because it lacks weakness and it lacks vulnerability. And what I found fascinating, particularly with what this year has done to us and with what um, so many things that have been reflections, both spiritual, social, political, everything, is that um, in many ways, particularly in matters of faith, that can be backwards, where actually, um, you know, not being willing to acknowledge weakness or vulnerability or not being willing to uh, embrace it or not being willing to at least address it um, is uh, actually one of the, the biggest sort of catalysts for self-destruction. When in point of fact, you know, in the, in, in the backwards view of it, you know, uh, we as as Christian believers, you know, uh, you know, Christ displays vulnerability in subjecting himself to the cross and, and all of these kinds of things. And the scriptures even say that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Paul is talking about uh, in, in that passage where he's um, this is from scripture, not from the film, obviously. But, you know, Paul talks about like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boast in, in the things that are flaws and shortcomings because his strength is made perfect in my weakness so that nobody should boast. In. And, and I'm not saying that to say that the appropriate and right thing is to idolize brokenness, which I do think is a possibility. Sometimes people can flaunt or idolize brokenness as if uh, it were somehow a, a an antidote to health and that the, what would be desired would be to stay sick, which is certainly by no means what I'm saying. But I think perfection that is relentlessly pursued as an eradication of weakness is only going to lead to consumptive destruction. And I think if there's anything that I would sort of latch on to in this is that, you know, David is continually trying to find a host for this the, the, these seeds, this ooze, this whatever, that will produce the perfect organism. And what he produces is monstrous and consumptive and cannot be reasoned with, cannot be um, 
you know, made a pet. It is, it is a, it is a destructive, despite our observations that it just wants a hug in the first (laughs) time we talked about this. It is a, it is a destructive force. And I feel like maybe not much more needs to be said about it, at least from my initial launch to conversation is just that as if we pursue that, you know, eradication of weakness, I think what we will find on the other end of it is actually our own, our own destruction. Um, because we will relentlessly, you know, give, give ourselves over to a denial of reality or to, um, a refusal to accept where we are vulnerable and weak, um, rather than actually, uh, you know, dealing with it, embracing it, recognizing it, um, I will say one more thing going back to our conversation many years ago now at this point on the Babadook and what we had talked about with the character of the neighbor in the Babadook and how she had Parkinson's and suffered from Parkinson's but displayed significantly more strength of character and personhood in the simple fact that she was willing to talk about it and willing to be honest about it. Um, and when, you know, the boy asks her about it and why she shakes, she's, she's willing to say, well, this is, this is what I have. I suffer from this affliction and, and this is what it is. And this is what it does in my body. And, uh, that, that is profound strength in that moment. And I think we ourselves do ourselves a disservice when we are unwilling to, um, acknowledge our weaknesses and to a way you know, include and forgive them, as has been our recent vernacular, include and forgive them. Again, not idolizing them as somehow the most important thing, um, but uh, not also relentlessly uh, relentlessly pursuing denial of them, if that if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I don't know mm. if, you, if that resonates with you or if that's just like, eh, Reed, that's not what Covenant is about. I feel like a, a face herger's got me. It's your face, Herger. <laughs> and the Xena move is trying to tell me something. Um, you know, it's interesting. Something you conjured there in, in um, echoing that franchise repeating line, the perfect organism with reference to the Xenomorph, uh, because you're correct in, in, in what Ash observes and in what David attempts to manufacture, it is this paragon of kind of imperviousness and Mm. strength and honestly in a word violence uh to be very direct and strangely i feel like that is there's a world where you could take some interesting political conversation there about you know the 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 ubermensch idea this this exceptionalism embodied in strength and violence uh frankly but where i actually want to go that that does what i think you're trying to do because what you conjured for me uh was scripture honestly uh of be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect which is in matthew Mm -hmm. and this is in specifically a section that if anything is the emblem of and expression of utter and uh, 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 fully fleshed out faith. It's couched in this section of Matthew that is about love for your enemy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if, if, 
if there's anything that's fascinating right now, it's that, you know, David and his manufacturing, um, Ash and his observing, uh, Wayland and his engineering, it's create the perfect organism for the purposes of dispatching enemy mm. perfection yeah, right. used as violence to, to destroy when Jesus uses the same verbiage to say perfection is ultimate and imminent and self sublimating love for that, which wishes to destroy you, mm. your mm. enemy. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think about, uh, what this is making me think of too, is you use the phrase vulnerability. And so kind of following that rabbit trail a little bit on maybe our infinity war conversation, uh, Ian referenced Ian, Ian, and talking about captain America, which again, this, this imagery of the Ubermensch, the, whether it's David engineering, the xenomorph to destroy or, Erskine using the super soldier serum to, to embellish and right. empower, uh, what was discussed in our infinity war conversation was thank God for Steve Rogers, mm, <laughs> the right, 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 right. vulnerability and self-sacrificing right, right. as your starting point. Yeah. Others mindedness. Right. Right which is then empowered to now defend as opposed mm -hmm. to destroy. And right, I, I don't know. Right. I just think that's something really interesting. And I, I, it's, I don't know if you feel this way lately and I'm going to attempt to not get emotional here. Cause all of a sudden it's kind of sideswiping me like a, like a naked xenomorph tail whacking <laughs> me in the face. Uh, do you ever feel lately? Like, God, I don't even know the words anymore because they've all been hijacked. Yeah. Like yeah. what? I know what I think. I mean, when I say what faithfulness and Christ likeness and embodied faith look like or are supposed to look like, but damn it, you're going to take what I'm saying and you're going to just flip it around and you're going right. to pervert it and you're going to yeah. make me think, well, why did I even say that? Yeah. And it's, it's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a disheartening and unsettling feeling. And, and where, where that's coming from right now is this notion of perfect, right. the perfect organism, which is a thing you and I would look at and say, that's a thing to, to be afraid of, to not, uh, uh, propel, perpetuate that thing. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't, don't touch that. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then there's Christ saying, be perfect. Therefore, is my heavenly father is perfect. Right. Love your enemy. Right. Like what I want to say in my words is that what mm -hmm. you're going to hear, which, which, which gets to a whole other, a whole other passel of conversation points is, is the other one. I'm saying, love your enemies. You're saying you are my enemy and I will destroy you. Right. With my, right. And my exceptionalism. Right. And so, I don't mean to make it about me, but I've thought about this lately of just like, I, I feel like there's, there's this sense in which, and this is just being slightly confessional here. There's this sense in which I lately have felt and it's implicit. It's utterly implicit. It's subconscious. It, but it's in, but it's, it's responsiveness to 
the power of the air. Yeah. I feel silenced mm. because the efforts I feel like I would make to articulate what I think is good, right, appropriate, holy, and beautiful are going to get perverted. And man, I'm just tired yes. of it. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, came and obviously the platform that is most conducive to whole fruitful conversation is not social media. Correct. But absolutely repeat that. What, <laughs> but what you've just described, I experienced multiple times in the past couple of weeks in efforts to try to say something constructive to speak into the times and in not saying anything because I knew I could I could hear in my head the way somebody would read it and twist it and immediately like sort of twist it around and take what was at least intended to be constructive and and maybe a bit challenging but but pushing things forward and then just to your word pervert it not perverted as in they they proceed from perverted intentions but from i will be bold in saying perverted assumptions and conclusions and then now everything gets filtered through right. that lens to where you can't even you can't even hear what's being said there's a, a moment I've name dropped uh, this film on the show before, but I love the you know six and a half hour long Life of Christ film Jesus of Nazareth, and 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 think on and reflect on it uh, often because its script is very powerful. Um, and there's a moment in it where Ian Holm, uh, playing a uh, a Pharisee leader, um, speaks and confronts Jesus when Jesus says, "Destroy this temple, and in three days I will make it rise again." And Zara is Ian Holmes' character, and he confronts him. He says, it's, it took centuries to build this temple. You really think you can rebuild it in three days? And Jesus says back to him a line that's not in Scripture but resonates so powerfully. He said, you said it, but you have not understood it. Hmm. And when I hear this, and it's it, it's brilliant, and I don't have the words to, to, um, to unpack it, but when I hear you talk about, like, yes— Christ tells us, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And we have the audacity and arrogance to think we know what he means. Right. And to think that we will hear that and go like, yep, Lord, on it. And and go and, and set about making worse, ourselves perfect. Already there. <laughs> right. And and um and think that it would not require in 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 his co commandment to say, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, do, doesn't that then mean that we need to have some version of ongoing relationship to understand how the Father in heaven is perfect and what that means in our life yes. and how that 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 is a, a humbling of our ego and a, and a challenge to us to constantly be in a position and a posture where we are dependent and, and, and continuing to sort of move towards that and bend towards that as opposed to saying, yes, you know what, I am, I am going to be. You can count on me and this is what's, what's going to happen. And, and I, I get so torn up in my, in my spirit sometimes. You are, you are the one, Nathan, frequently apologizing for making Volcanic political statements, um, but I'm about to make one. So it, before you do that, I think I make them a lot. Do I apologize for them? <laughs> <laughs> at least I at least hang a lantern on the fact that they sure. exist. Yeah. Um, 
we are recording this right now on December 2nd and 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 as of right now the election has just passed and and uh you know president elect Biden was voted on as our next president of the United States and I have reflected and tried to express in so many different ways and think maybe I'll probably even be challenged in this not by you but maybe even for putting this out on the airwaves of saying how fitting dreadful as it is to watch how fitting and how appropriate again dreadful as it is maybe even prophetic that this administration would conclude with a national display of being unwilling to cope with defeat and being unwilling to cope with loss and being unwilling to admit and acknowledge any sense of a chink in the armor or a humanness this is the as it will organism perfect organism and i'm not i'm not trying to 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 be an opportunist and seize this moment to make a statement like that but i i think what is valuable for us to to recognize in what we see in some of our the behavior of our national leaders and what we see sometimes in the behavior of our our religious leaders who refuse to to acknowledge the problems that have existed in the church for for years and years and years, or in the leaders of homes, uh, husbands, fathers, uh, maybe in some differing cases, uh, mothers and wives, but people, just people refusing to admit that we are not perfect and that we are not, uh, that, that we are fallible, that we are flawed, and um, in so many instances, I know it's a bold statement and a blanketed statement, which I, which I, I, I want to resist, but it, it just it rises up in my spirit to say, like the the more you want to dig your heels in to say that you <laughs> that you are not capable of error, or that you are not capable of flaw or or mistake, that is probably where you are the closest to a utter destruction. Like mm-hmm. and, and 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 oh, I'm sorry. Uh, scriptures say that pride goes before a fall. Like, like there, it, it, it is laid out for us that that level of unbridled unwillingness to to admit that perfect is is not something that we are necessarily, you know, compelled or commanded to obtain or achieve, or at the very least, like I hear you cite when Christ tells us to be perfect, and I think we have to admit that. We have to first of all find out what is what does he mean by that, and you know I love you shared an article to myself and a few of our friends not that long ago where uh, it was it was talking about Stephen Colbert and his journey and and mm-hmm. um, and and he he had said in it in fact I'm going to pull it up because I want to I want to quote it directly um, but you know Col- Colbert had said in this article talking about you know loss and everything and he said this was Stephen Colbert talking about things he said the message of Christ isn't that you can't kill me the message of Christ is you can kill me and that's not death and it's not precisely what we're talking about here but tangential enough for me to say like you can say be perfect and that doesn't mean utterly abandon you know your your willingness to admit vulnerability your willingness to admit flaws and fallibility um it doesn't mean we we have to consistently be immutable and consistently be i i don't know i i am very very much 
compelled and in some haunted is not the right word, but uh, challenged by his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Um, that that maybe our maybe there is a is is a place. I feel like I've I feel like I'm about to say something and I I can't remember where I've heard this thing, but um, I feel like I heard it from somewhere, maybe read it from somewhere or whatever. But but that maybe we are stronger with our weaknesses than we would be without them. And I think there's a world in which that may be that may be what it means to be perfect as the Father in heaven is but, perfect. But I, I want to nuance a little bit of what I think you're saying that. I know you're borrowing religious language there. His strength is perfect in our weakness, but I want to graft, you know, this, this whole thing is we started talking about words and and meanings and, and uh, uh, weakness. I want to, I want to supplant with the word that you've already used a vulnerability. I think weakness Mm. connotes error or falseness or, Mm. or, uh, imperfection is is clearly pro- perhaps appropriate there, but what I think is most appropriate is this notion of vulnerability, and I can't I can't seem to get away, and 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 I I, I want to keep it in the spirit of the stew of the films things we're pulling out here of like this perfect organism, this thing meant to destroy, overtake, stand above, and rend. Right, right. Named perfect. Mm. called perfect and (laughs) i'm going to defend myself a little bit here uh one of our actual actually one of our listeners who's a good buddy here locally we've done some theater stuff i won't name his name in case he'd be like i wish you hadn't said that uh sometime recently he commented to me on facebook he was like i used to think a lot of what you said was just hyperbole but i'm not sure about that anymore so um, i'm gonna say things that are it's going to sound hyperbolic, but I mean them with, with, I mean, well, what I think I'm saying. <laughs> That's mm. one way to put it. Wow. Um, okay. yeah. The intention to destroy, overtake, overpower, rend, and stand above called perfect is in many ways the worst of our nationalistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm talking about when I say the words I think I'm trying to impart into the world are getting taken away from me and they're getting, they're getting mixed up in a stew. They're not meant for now. I think intercession may say, where do you deploy these words in a very literal Mm. sense? And that matters greatly because something I want to throw in here is maybe my final talking point, talking thread here is my wife will occasionally drop truth bombs on me and 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 recently this may have been a reference to something i've already mentioned on the show before but um part of our marital vernacular is is the brene brown quote you can't hate someone up close Mm, mm. and man we don't like that right right because what we want is distant is foreign is other is i'm gonna do it alien Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. if you're over there in a way in my perfection, I can dismiss, I can destroy, I can demean. Right. Right. Because I am perfect. Mm-hmm, but mm. Christ redefines that. Yeah. In this 
in this passage about loving enemy because if 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 you I'm saying this to me but I'm saying it to our listeners most people who listen to our show have some history and or current experience in the church if you attend a church that names opponents and names enemies and lets that stand find somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. And I mean that with every fiber of my being because if, if love of enemy such that ultimately none are our enemy is not in the very DNA of what defines us as faithful it is not faithful. Mm, mm-hmm. Thus, perfection is redefined. And I'm I'm this whole you can't hate someone up close. I'm trying to I'm trying to preach to myself here as much as just converse with you and and share with listener that the reason I am struggling with feeling silenced or that my words are being taken from me is I, I really am putting them in the wrong places. Oh, and I'll own that. Right. Right. Because right. Which doesn't mean, hey, Nathan, don't write that thing or don't say that thing. I like that. Uh, you know, right, of it course. is be careful and be mindful because those are not relationships. Those are yeah, right. alphanumerics entered into an algorithm that someone else is not going to receive in faithfulness and love. Right, of course. Right. And, right, right, right. and, and you and I not necessarily like this, though you and I do occasionally um, come, at, come at a thing at a different angle, but for anyone listening for you and I, as we go out into the world from this exercise room, the, this analogy I used on the the dead zone, it's to say, okay, (laughs) perfection means love of enemy. This person is coming at this thing a different way than I am. I can't just readily dismiss them because that's not faithfulness to love. Right. That's not, that's not perfection. That's not practicing vulnerability. doesn't mean we may come away buddies and lifelong chums, but it does mean I don't have permission to much as I want to much as my impulse is there to call them fool and to Mm. dispense Mm -hmm. and dismiss and demean and destroy in my head and in my spirit them. Right. And anyway, I know this, I, 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 what I don't want to be heard is me just on a diatribe. I'm trying to address these poles of what, what what the world and the perversion and the twistedness and the powers and principalities and the power of the air embodies in the form of the perfect organism mm. is the spawn of hell. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and is, mm-hmm. is, is, is disgusting and, mm. and, and will destroy us. Whereas mm-hmm. the, the, the emblem of loss, the, uh, uh, the paragon of, of self-sacrifice says, Hey, wait a minute. Perfection is saying that you have no enemy, which is gonna cause you a lot of pain, but you befriend that pain. You befriend that Mm. suffering. You befriend that because I've shown you how that is possible because in doing that, you recognize you are on the same playing field as every other person and who is deserving and as deserving of love and respect. Anyway. That's no, absolutely. Alien mm. covenant. What in the world? 
<laughs> right? Oh, man, it feels so much like the ones like, we enter into where it's just like, yeah, maybe this will be a quick conversation. And then suddenly that's when that Xena move <laughs> just... Xena move just chest bursts out of the... Face <laughs> 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 <And> burger. Face <laughs> burger. All right. Oh, let's, you want to go to the fog meter? I do. Uh, do fog it. meter. This is how we rank our movies here at the Fear of God. On fear and on God. I will go first on a scale of one to ten. I'm going to give Alien Covenant a fear ranking of four. Um, you know, it's uh, it might have had. I mean, for pure just kind of gross factor, there's some of that there, and not just gross ick, gross at like actually. Ugh. <laughs> you like how ugh. I distinguish those two things? Yes. Um, is it <laughs> icky it, gross or is it like ugh, gross? This is more like. <laughs> Uh, you know, the xenomorph is always going to be relatively effective at the, you know, kind of scary imagery. Um, I do think they raised the game for me a little bit in terms of the, the naked chicken alien people things. I mean, that's in terms of just, (laughs) it's like like a little one doing the chicken dance, the squirrel, you know, know. Oh Lord have mercy. The squirrel dance. I don't know what that (laughs) stupid thing is. Chicken dance. I don't know. So yeah, I give it a four on scares. What about you, Riri? Well, it was really funny because I was about to lead with a five, but I think you're, you know, you've, you've now made comical. One of the few things that I find really, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> harrowing and frightening about the movie. Hey, no, sincerely. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, trying yeah, to play tag. Don't offend me. My jaw's um, falling off, but now I'm it. Sorry, I'll shut up now. <laughs> I'll run. Um, I will. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with my five. I think, I think there are some, but it's more about the gross-out factor than it is about the sort of, you know, scary kind of harrowing notion. So I'll, I'll join you with your fear. Uh, well, you had a four. I'll just slightly higher with a five for me. Um, the God Meter. I'm going to own that some of this might be the fault of Prometheus by comparison. But even trying to take Covenant on its own terms, I don't think it effectively does much with the elements that it tries to unpack. So, two. <laughs> wow, wow, wee, wow. <laughs> you just face hugged that ranking. Um, <laughs> face hergered. <laughs> face hergered to Covenant. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll reverse what you did to me and, and go with a three. I mean, there's not... You know, they give some lip service to some stuff, but but don't really do anything with it. I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'll go with a three. Agreed. It's 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 mostly face hugger service than it is anything else. That's about it. Um, that means that on the fog meter, we give Alien Covenant, directed by Ridley Scott, sixth installment in the Alien franchise, three and a half out of ten on fog meter. One of <laughs> our. How low one of our can lower, you go? <laughs> one of our that lower, little guy can limbo. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh no, I make it under this party. <laughs> um, so what? Uh, you know, the 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 main question though is, would you? Yeah, would you recommend Alien Covenant to people? I actually enjoyed watching it. It was fun. I mean, I did have a fun. You time know, again, it. I did not because I'm not this devotee of the franchise and more just like, huh? Let me see what they do with this one. I found it entertaining. Okay. 
Um, I would I would say skip it. I would um, more pivot to recommending Prometheus, uh, but knowing. But that wasn't the Prom- question, Reed. <laughs> that wasn't the question. No, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, or would you say I don't recommend watching Prometheus? If you think you might watch Alien Covenant. Correct, correct, correct. Watch Alien Covenant and then go back and see Prometheus. Um, no, I, uh, I, I, I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of the franchise and have not seen Covenant, sure, go ahead. You will, you will find it fun. Um, but yeah, uh, to the casual viewer and to you know fans of sort of more thoughtful cinema, I would, I would say you can skip it. You can pretty effectively skip it. So uh, that puts. Yet another full episode installment of hashtag 2020-2020 in the books. And next week, we are going to be going to your favorite horror films of 2018. Wow. And an entry. I know we're getting there. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, uh, and we will be having an extended conversation about a film that we have danced around for almost two years now. Uh, with or saying we would maybe cover actually two years, <laughs> actually two years um, of saying we would we would probably cover it. Eventually, going to get to it. Knew it was coming, and here we are. It is. We are going to be going back to. We are going to be going back to the old Haddonfield, and specifically David Gordon Green's Halloween. So not Rob Zombie's Halloween, not John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh-uh. David well, Gordon Green. Carpenter EP'd, didn't he? He did. He EP'd. He wrote the score. I'm excited to talk I about it. We've been meaning to get to we it. We would be breaking the law to throw that score on this next week's episode because it I is know. so dang good. This is such a great score. <laughs> so, yes, uh, by all means, reacquaint yourself if you haven't already seen it, but a lot of people saw it, so you've probably seen it. Um, but uh, next week, we're going to be covering 2018's Halloween, starring once again. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. So check it out. We'll see you next week. As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Nathan, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Holding my hand in the in the planetary regions of the chicken morph, whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, guys. Bye, everybody. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.